praise God, Lord, we just love you. Lord, we thank you for your word, Lord God, your word. It keeps us grounded. It keeps us in tune. It keeps us sharp. It keeps us with our finger on the pulse and the move of God. It keeps us focused, Lord God, and I just thank you that you are revealing it to us by the Holy Ghost. So, Lord, we open up our hearts this morning to receive from you today. And I thank you that each one of us will be blessed and we will leave this place excited in the move of God and knowing that our lives can make a difference in the move of God. Lord, we praise you in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Well, praise God. I'm going to, I'm going to share this morning just on how end times affect our lives every day. So, you know, we're living in end days. I think that's pretty obvious. We're living in end days. And you know what? We've, we've all been watching the news um, or seen things on our phone, you know, from the um, situation over in the Middle East at the minute. And, and you know what? Many times people will ask the question, do you know what? Does that affect us? Is that a, something that's in the scriptures? Is that something to do with end times? Yeah, well, all of those things have to do with end times. Um, but, you know, sometimes people are asking, is it something specific? Is there something specific happening at this present moment in time? Well, it may be, but we don't know, okay? Um, and what do I mean by that? Uh, you know, when you look at end times, if you want to look at end time things, you, you don't look at, you know, America, or you, you don't look at, you know, Australia, or you don't look around the world where all end time events are going to take place, really the center of it is going to be in Israel, okay? And it's going to be in Jerusalem. And that's where you look to. And you, when you see the world starting to focus that direction, you know what, everybody, all believers, we look there and we keep a close eye on what is happening. But we don't want to miss what God is doing through us as the church, okay? Because the Bible speaks to three groups of people. It speaks to the Jew, it speaks to the Gentile, which is everybody who's not a Jew, okay? And it speaks to the church, okay? And the church is made up of Jew and Gentile. The Jew is everybody that's made Jesus the Lord and Savior of their life. And in our time period, God is getting glory, the Bible says, through His church. So we keep an eye there, but we don't want to miss what God is doing through the church. Because we have a mission and we have a mandate. And I've spoken on it several times um, the last few times that I've been here ministering. That the mandate for the church is very simple. It is to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Okay? And then the people that we get saved, we're to train them. So that they can be who God has called them to be. That's what the church is about. And so in our time period, we need to be in a place where we can minister to every creature, okay? So even though there's things happening in the Middle East, sometimes people can go to the place then when they start hating people. Let me tell you, we're not meant to hate people. We're called to reach people. We are called in our generation to bring the gospel to every creature. That is our mission, and to train people. So we need to have the love of God for people. Like, you, you just have to take, like... um. The Apostle Paul, for instance, as a model, because the Apostle Paul was a Jewish man who got saved and came into the body of Christ. And as a Jew, he went to the world 
and he brought the gospel to every creature. You see, that's fulfilling the purpose of the church, is to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Peter, who was not a very religious man, he ended up reaching Jewish people. You would think it would be Paul who would have been qualified to, to reach the religious because he was a religious man, and yet God sent Paul to the world. And Peter, who was not a religious man, God sent him to reach the Jews. But you can see there, what is it about? It's about reaching the world. And so as believers, we need to reach the world. Um, when you look at Israel, okay, you look at Israel from a biblical point of view, you know, we, we, you, let me just explain something here for a minute. I'm not political, okay? I'm not a very, very political person. I don't understand everything, you know, when you talk about politics. I'm not one that really gets into politics. I grew up in Northern Ireland, okay? I had a politics till it was coming out of my ears, okay? And people fight and argue and fight and argue. And when I got saved, um, God told me, very clearly in my heart, told me to stay away from politics. And so I don't preach politics. I preach the Word of God, okay? That's just the way I... That's my angle on things. I'm not interested in getting into the political things. I'm just going to teach what the Word says, okay? And when you look at Israel, you know what? Israel was um, God's land. If you look in the Bible, the Bible says that it's God's land and that God um, told Abraham that he would bring him then into that land. And so you see then that the children of Israel then through Joshua went in and possessed the promised land. And the Bible told, uh, or God told uh, um, the children of Israel, if you obey me, you'll stay in the land. If you don't, you'll end up going into captivity. And several times the children of Israel went into captivity. Probably the most notable one is the Babylonian captivity with Daniel. Whenever Daniel went into captivity um, with the children of Israel, and then, you know what, then they ended up, they returned back into Israel again, okay? And then whenever um, Jesus came, Jesus came as their king, actually fulfilling um, one of the greatest prophecies in the Word of God, um, which is Daniel's 70-week prophecy. And you read that in Daniel chapter 9, that God told Daniel that, when they come out of captivity, that whenever the walls of Jerusalem would begin to be rebuilt, that there would be 490 years of Jewish time left, okay? Now, when Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, the, the, it lets us know there that that was 483 years later, okay? There's still seven years of Jewish time that has to be fulfilled, and that is what the Bible calls the tribulation period, which is yet future, okay? So when Jesus came into Jerusalem, the Bible lets us know that the children, they sang, okay? And the people received him, and they threw down palm branches. But the religious leaders rejected Jesus and had Jesus crucified. And Jesus said at that time, if you would have known your hour of visitation, you know what? I would have been basically your king, but you missed your hour of visitation. So Jesus came, and the Bible says it was unto Messiah the Prince, and he came as Messiah the Prince, and the people missed, they missed Jesus. And Jesus said what would happen for the Jewish people is the Jewish people then would be dispersed into the nations of the world. And that's what we 
seen then after 70 AD. I'm so I'm not going to do a lot of history here, okay? But I'm just in 70 AD. Um, the um, Roman general Titus came into Jerusalem and it was besieged and the children of Israel were dispersed just like Jesus said it would happen. And they went to all of the nations of the world. But the Bible also prophesied that Israel would become a nation again. And you know what? And Israel became a nation again in 1948. And then from then you have seen Jews returning to Israel why? Because there's going to be end time events that are going to happen with a nation that didn't exist. But now it is existing again because there's going to be end time events around that area. It's, it's, the Word of God is amazing. So I look at things just from a scriptural point of view. Sometimes people don't like that. That's okay. But I'm sticking with what God's Word says. God said that, that, that Israel would become a nation again. And for us... The next thing on the calendar of prophecy concerning us is the rapture of the church. And if you don't know what the rapture of the church is, the rapture of the church is whenever Jesus comes back to take his people off the planet. It is called the rapture of the church. Um, the, the, um, he, the, the Greek for it is the harpazo. And the herpazo just simply means where you're snatched, you are taken. And that's what the Bible says, that we will be caught up to meet him in the earth. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Amen. That's what's coming for us as believers. So there's going to be a lot of other things that happen in the world. There's going to be, um, you know, tension around the Middle East and all of those kind of things. But you know what? For us as believers, we need to know that we have a mission for our lives as believers. Keep our focus on the harvest. The Bible does tell us to pray for the peace of Israel. And Jesus told us that there wouldn't be peace in Israel until he comes back again in the second coming. And in the second coming, the Jewish people are going to receive Jesus then. And they're going to look on the one that they have pierced. And there's going to be mourning. And the Bible says at that point, all Israel will be saved. Okay, but until that, there isn't going to be peace. Because at that time, when just after Jesus rose, or just before Jesus um, died, they rejected Jesus, he died. And the Jewish leaders rejected Jesus at that point. And so the Bible lets us know that there wasn't, there's not going to be peace. That's why the Jewish people have faced so much turmoil for all of these years. And yet we're to pray. Because you know what? One of these days. In the second coming. Jesus will come back. Okay. Now. And then they will have peace. See there's no peace. Without the Prince of Peace. Okay. But thank God as believers. We have received the, the Prince of Peace. And thank God we're in a kingdom. Where there's righteousness. Peace. And joy in the Holy Ghost. So as a believer, let me tell you, you never have to lose your peace, your joy as a believer, no matter what happens in the world. We are to pray for the world, amen, we're to pray for Israel, we're to reach all the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, but thank God we know the Prince of Peace. Thank God for the Prince of Peace. There's nothing like knowing Jesus on a daily basis. Many times people get into end times and they lose their joy. 
Many times people look at end times and they just talk all about all of the things that are coming on the earth and they will come on the earth. But here's the thing, as believers, you are not appointed unto wrath, the Bible says. So as a believer, you will never face any of the judgment of God ever. When you know Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life, you'll never experience the judgment of God. You're in a kingdom of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Many times people preach things in end times and they have everybody in fear. During the coronavirus, you know, uh, if you took the um, vaccine, there was people telling you that that was the mark of the beast. And so you have Christians afraid if they took the vaccine, that they took the mark of the beast. You, if you, as a believer, you can never take the mark of the beast because the mark of the beast doesn't come at this stage. It is not until the rapture of the church happens and then the tribulation period it is in the tribulation period where the mark of the beast is introduced. You won't be here for that if you know Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life. A Christian can't take the mark of the beast because it's not in our time. So you don't have to live in fear. See, that's what happens when you watch everything on Facebook. Some nutcase who's never read too much in the Bible, they just think everything's the mark of the beast. And somebody tells you, I know who the Antichrist is. Don't even watch it. Because the Bible says the Antichrist can't even be revealed until the restrainer is taken out of the way. Who is the restrainer? It's the Holy Ghost-filled church that is the restrainer. When the rapture of the church happens, then the Antichrist can come on the stage. But we will never even see the Antichrist. If you are a believer, you won't even see the Antichrist. We're not looking on to the Antichrist. We're looking on to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. People get all caught up in that and anything. Oh, did I take the mark? If you take out, you took the mark of the beast. And they're living in fear. A Christian cannot take the mark of the beast because it's not our time. It's not in church time. Amen? We live in church time. We don't live in the tribulation. You see, God told Daniel in Daniel chapter 9 that the prophecy of Daniel's 70-week prophecy, it was concerning his people, which was Daniel's people who was the Jews. It was concerning thy holy city. Thy holy city is Jerusalem. So it was for the Jewish people. So there's still a part of that to be fulfilled. When we are taken out of here in the rapture, there's seven years of tribulation. That is Jewish Time, it is not church time. Amen. Now, I'm not, I could spend all morning talking on this and explain it more and go over there, but I'm not going that direction this morning. I'm just trying to show like a, an overview of um, Bible prophecy, and then I'm going to get, get into something here for a moment. But um, you know what? You have, the, you have the tribulation period and all of those kind of things that's coming. That's where you'll see the Antichrist and all of those kind of things. And Jesus talked about that. Um, as I said, the, the next event on God's calendar really is the rapture of the church, okay? We get on war call. One of these days we're going to be raptured out of fear. Praise God. And the Bible says, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. John 14 lets us know that Jesus said, if I go, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come and receive you again unto myself. 
that where I am, you may be also. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Amen. So he left and went and prepared a place for us. At the rapture of the church, that will be fulfilled where we are caught up to meet him in the earth. It is a, a, like a secret mission. No one is going to see that. The Bible calls it a mystery. And a mystery is something that was secret, not known in the Old Testament, but it is now known to us in the church. It is something for the church. And the Bible lets us know that we will be caught up one of these days to meet the Lord in the earth. Praise God for that event. Amen. Then after that event, what happens is there's going to be a peace process or a peace agreement in the Middle East that's going to last for seven years. It's meant to last for seven years, okay? But that time period is seven years. But there's an agreement that's going to be written for seven years, okay? That's why I'm saying is these events at the minute, are they concerning end times? They could well be if they spiral into something. We don't know. You see, there's going to be a big conflict of some description that's going to bring the necessity for a peace agreement. And the person who brings the peace agreement is a man called Antichrist. And Antichrist comes first of all in peace. He's going to be a genius. The Bible lets us know that. He's going to be a, a, a political genius. He's going to be able to speak like nobody you ever heard speak before. I'm telling you, he's going to be a genius, this man. But he's going to be empowered by Satan. And he's going to come in peace first. But the Bible lets us know when they say peace, peace, then comes sudden destruction. So it is a false peace. And so there's going to be an agreement for seven years. In the middle of those seven years, Jesus said that the Antichrist, he would commit the abomination of desolation. And the abomination of desolation is that there's going to be a temple that's going to be rebuilt in Jerusalem, okay? And that's probably going to be part of that peace agreement. So, like, you wonder, how is anybody going to bring peace to the Middle East? But the Antichrist, he's going to be able to come and bring a peace agreement. But it's going to come out of something that's going to need a peace agreement. But part of that agreement is there's going to be a, an agreement for the Jews to have their temple. Do you know that the Jewish people have everything sitting ready to go for their temple? If they got to go ahead tomorrow, they could build a temple. But we know the complications over there at the minute. But you know what? When the Antichrist comes on the scene, he's going to be able to bring um, an agreement that is going to allow a temple to be built. But the Bible lets us know, and Jesus told us this, Paul told us, Daniel told us, and Jesus told us, that what would happen would be the Antichrist Halfway through that, that agreement, he's going to go in and he's going to sit in the temple of God as God. And he's going to declare himself to the world that I am God. And everybody's going to see it. And he, there's going to be a, a, an idol erected. And there's another character called the false prophet. And he's now going to direct all worship to the Antichrist and to Satan. And Jesus said at that moment to the Jewish people, when you see that, you run. If you're on the rooftop, don't you even go into the house. You get to those mountains that I have prepared for you. So they are told to get out of there. If you're in the field, don't return home to get your clothes. You get out of there as quickly as you can. You get to that location. There's a location where God told them to go. 
And when they would go there in the book of Revelations, it lets us know that it's like as if they're swallowed up and God is going to protect them. Just like, you know, remember Elijah, he was protected by God and they searched for him high and low. They could not find him. Why? Because God protected him. Well, God's going to protect anybody that gets to that location. And God told the people, you get there as fast as you can. You get to that location. Why? Because the Bible says at that point that's, that Satan, his wrath is towards the Jewish people and he will wipe every one of them off the place of, face of planet earth. Because, see, the Antichrist comes in peace. But he's going to show his true colors halfway through that towards the Jewish people. He's doing other things in the world. But at that point, he's going to show his true colors and I'm telling you, it's, it's going to get severe. And the Bible then calls that second half of the tribulation, it calls it great tribulation. And Jesus said, if that was not limited to a certain time, let me tell you, he would destroy everyone, the Antichrist. So, you know, that's all, the, that's all ahead of us. But thank God we live in the church. Amen. See, if you think you're in the tribulation, you'll live in fear. But if you know you're in the church, you will live reaching the world and doing what it is God has called you to do. You know, um, I mean, let me just read a couple of these things out here just for a moment. Just to let you know what the tribulation is going to be like. And I'm just doing a quick overview here. Like a, you could spend months talking on these things, but there, there's... In the tribulation period in those seven years, the Bible lets us know that there's several things that, ha that happen. There's going to be what's called the seal judgments. There's the tr trumpet judgments. And then there is the bowl judgments. And the bowl judgments get really hot towards just in that second half. And it just, it just gets hotter and hotter, so to speak. It gets more severe. And when you read this, I'm telling you, you'll be thankful for Jesus. You'll be thankful that you're not appointed onto this time period. The Bible says we're not appointed onto wrath. We're appointed onto what? Salvation. I know what salvation is. It's whenever we, we are saved spirit, soul, and body. And at the rapture of the church, you get a glorified body. And so that's what you're destined to. So you're destined to salvation. One day you'll stand before Jesus and you'll be in a glorified body, and you will look at Jesus, and the Bible says that when you see him, you know what? You'll just be like him. You'll be like you. You'll still have your personality, but you'll be, praise God, upgraded. Amen. <laughs> you'll have a body, the Bible says, that can never die. It's incorruptible. Praise God, you get all your teeth back. Amen. Upgrades. Won't be gold fillings or anything like that. I'm telling you, you'll have a body that cannot decay, the Bible says. Let me tell you, I'm going to be running as fast as I can. <laughs> I'll tell you, some of you that have, haven't run in years, I'm telling you, you'll run like you never ran before. You'll be like the flash. People say, what if I'm afraid of heights and them taken up to the clouds? You won't be afraid of heights then. <laughs> but you get a glorified body. Amen. It's, it's, it's just awesome. Praise God. Amen. Let, let me just read these here a couple of things again. But that's what we're destined on. We're destined one day we're going to see Jesus face to face. And that's what we look forward to. Now, I, I'm just going to read these out quickly and just let you get a taste of what's going to happen um, 
the Bible lets us know when the first seal is opened, it talks about a white horse with a rider on it. And this is not Jesus, this is the Antichrist. And the Antichrist comes, first of all, as a false messiah. The Bible says he'll have a bow, but no arrows. And he's going to conquer through peace. And so he starts taking ground and through peace. Then the Bible talks about then a red horse, and a red horse symbols war. And so even in the first half of the tribulation, there will be war. There will be things that will happen. But at that time, Israel will still be protected. They'll be under a peace agreement. Then there's a black horse which talks about famine. And then after that, there's a pale horse that talks about death and hell. So when you have war, what is a result of war? Famine. And then a result of famine is death. And so you, this is all in the first half of the tribulation. Amen. Then you see, during that time, there's going to be people who get saved in the tribulation. Um, the Bible talks about 144,000 Jews that get saved after the rapture of the church. And they will go evangelizing the world. And praise God, the Bible says, even during the tribulation period, that there will be people from every uh, nation that will believe the message of the gospel. Okay? Um, but they will... They will um, It'll cost them, many of them, their lives to accept Jesus at that time. You don't know how blessed you are. Amen, as the church. People on the other side, I'm telling you, there's going to be people that will get saved, but it'll cost them their lives to receive Jesus. Then the Bible says there's going to be a great earthquake, and meteors are going to start falling from the heavens. And then it says that there's going to be silence in heaven for about a half an hour. That's because all the women went shopping. And um, <laughs> I'm only joking. But it's, it's probably the anticipation for what is coming next. The next thing is there's trumpet judgments and things just keep intensifying. And it's amazing through the book of Revelations, instead of people repenting, their heart gets harder and harder and harder and harder. So there's people who will receive the message there's other people who are just going to get harder and harder and harder towards God. And if you read the book of Revelations, you see that. These are the trumpet judgments. The first one, it talks about healing and, and, and fire mingled with blood. It falls to the earth and burns up one third of the grass and the trees. wonder what the environmental people is going to do then. Your electric car is not going to help you in this situation. Amen. <laughs> um, a, a meteor hits the earth. This is another meteor hits the earth and one third of the sea day and one third of ships are destroyed. The next thing, another meteor hits the earth and it's called wormwood and it poisons the rivers, which is the fresh water. Okay. Then one third of the sun, the moon and the stars is darkened. And then at this point in the tribulation, you see an angel in heaven and it's crying, woe, woe, woe unto the inhabitants of the earth because things are about to intensify even more. And so then you, the next thing that you see is you see demons that are released from the bottomless pit and they go around tormenting people um, um, for five months, okay? People that have received the mark of the beast. And the Bible lets us know that they go around tormenting people 
Um, and people will want to die. Actually, it's not the mark of the beast at that stage, it's later. Um, but they, they torment people for five months. And the Bible says that people will want to die and death will leave them. So you're going to see all of these things. And then the Bible talks also then after that about four fallen angels are loosed. These are real wicked angels. And there's an army of 200 million demons and they go and they kill one-third of people. So you can imagine one-third of the world's population destroyed. That's all coming in the future. Thank God we live in the church. So based on today, today's population, that would be like 2.6 billion people killed in a five-month, or a, a, not a five-month period, but in a period of time, short period of time. Then after that, the Bible lets us know that Satan then is cast down and that he knows his time is short and that's when he puts the pressure really on. You think that's a lot of pressure, it's going to get worse. The seal or the bold judgments, they're the worst. They're in the second half of the tribulation. And the Bible lets us know that there's going to be painful sores upon all who took the mark of the beast. Then it lets us know that the seas would be turned into blood and every living creature in the sea is going to die. The rivers turned into blood again, dealing with the fresh water. It talks then about severe heat. You know, people talk about global warming and all of them kind of things and they live in fear. If you understand your Bible, you never have to worry about global warming because I tell you, in the tribulation period, all of your emissions is not going to stop the sun at this time from heating that much that people on the planet are going to get scorched with the heat of the sun and the severity of that heat. People are going to die with the severity of that heat. And you can drive an electric car to, you, to all of your tie, or to your blue in the face, and I'll tell you, and drink through a straw until, you know what, you'd die or go up in the rapture, and you will not stop these events from happening. The third of the grass and the trees being burnt up you know what, the sun flaring up and people being scorched. I do not live in fear thinking that I'm going to destroy the planet. I've read the Bible. There's only one person who's going to renovate this place and that is God himself. The Bible says at the end of the millennial kingdom that this planet is going to be destroyed with fire. It was once destroyed with water in the flood. It's going to be destroyed with fire. And the Bible says then there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. And the holy city of heaven, God's headquarters, is going to come and move to earth. And the Bible lets us know that God is going to dwell with man forever and forever. If you know that, you don't have to live in fear thinking you're going to destroy the planet. Amen. People want to say, say, say to me, you, you should get an electric car or something like that. Let me tell you, I'll, I'd drive an electric car, but not to save the planet. But I'll tell you something else. I'd also drive a Jeep as well. Do you know why? Because I know I'm not going to destroy the planet. Does that mean to say you just live and throw rubbish out the window and not look after the planet? We, we do our part, but don't ever think that you're God, that you're going to fix the planet. God didn't make the earth fragile. The earth has went through so many things and every time it bounces back. Every single time. There's been tremendous forest fires and people say this is going to destroy the planet and you go back there after a few years and it's flourishing again. 
We won't destroy the planet. Amen. The Bible then talks about intense darkness then after that. And then it talks about the river Euphrates drying up. And that is so that the armies from the east can come to the battle of Armageddon. And the Bible talks about these three demons like frogs. That came out of, one came out of the mouth of the Antichrist. One came out of the mouth of the false prophet. One came out of the mouth of the dragon. And um, that, those frogs went into the world and, uh, and drew the nations of the world to come to the battle of Armageddon. You'd wonder why would people think that they can come to the battle of Armageddon and that they're going to destroy Jesus? Then you read Psalms 2 and you see God's response. The Bible says God sits in the heavens and he laughs. Amen. <laughs> and that's the way we're meant to be. Don't let anything steal your joy. And then the last thing that happens there before the battle of Armageddon is that the Bible says that the, there's going to be this tremendous earthquake. And the Bible says all of the islands are going to disappear and all of the mountains are going to disappear. That's how severe an earthquake it's going to be. It's going to be the greatest earthquake ever to hit the face of planet Earth. They're going to have to rewrite the brochures for holidays. You know, your wee island you wanted to go to, oh, sorry, it's not there anymore. You'll have to go inland. <laughs> And there's going to be hail coming down as well, like uh, big ice, ice chunks, like 100-pound balls of hail coming down. You know, the earth is going to go through so much during the tribulation period. But the Bible says then after that, when Jesus returns, he destroys all the armies of Antichrist. The Bible says the blood is going to flow to the horse's bridle. And I tell you, Jesus is going to do all of that. Amen. Why? Because he's king of kings. And he is Lord of lords. Amen. And at that time, he's going to then become king on this planet. And the Bible says that he will rule on this planet for a thousand years. And have a guess who's going to rule and reign with him. All of us who are believers, we're going to rule and reign with him for a thousand years. The Antichrist is going to come on the stage for seven years, but he's going to spend eternity in the lake of fire. Why? Because the Bible calls him the son of perdition. He's the son of hell. He deserves to be in hell. That's where he belongs. He's going to have a spotlight in the sun, but I'm telling you, Jesus is going to wipe him out. And Jesus is going to rule and reign for a thousand years in the millennial kingdom and then we're going to rule and reign with him forever, amen, in the eternal state. In a new heaven and a new earth. And see, during the millennial kingdom, you're going to see the planet at its best. Praise God, the best that it can be. At this time, there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, and it's going to be amazing. And that's what we have to look forward to, is I'm not living in fear. What are we to do? We're to live Focused on what God has called us to do. We want to see as many people saved as we possibly can. Amen. Love everybody. Love all nations. Pray for all nations. Let me tell you, when we're praying for people, when you're praying for the church, praise God, in this situation, pray for the church in Jerusalem. Pray for the believers. There's a lot of Muslim people that are giving their lives to the Lord at the minute. Do you know that Muslim people, there's many Muslim people in the world at the minute, they're having encounters with Jesus. Jesus is 
is reaching people all over this world. And thank God, every, every brother and sister in the body of Christ, they are our brother and sister. Now, men, take a look around you today. We're from all different walks of life, all different places in the world. And I'm telling you, we're family. Amen. We should love one another. Praise God. Now, let me just... Um, Let me just call out a couple of things here. Because how does this all affect us? Okay? How does understand an end times? And, and believe me, as quick what we looked at this morning, I hope, I'm sure there's a lot of blanks there, but sometimes you give, you know, in dot to dot, sometimes you're just hitting a dot here and a dot there. But you know what? Sometimes the more you hear things, then it starts to line up a bit more. And if some of the things that I've said went over your head, well, thank God you can get to listen to it again. Amen? And you can watch it again when it goes up online, on or you can listen to the podcast and put the pieces together. Amen. But you know what? How does it affect us as believers? Because as I've said, I've seen so many Christians full of fear when you talk about the end times. End times excite me. But it also keeps me focused. Because when you see the timeline in God, then you know where you are in it, and you know what you're meant to be doing. Okay, here's the first thing, and I've already said it. The Bible says that when you understand, like, the rapture of the church, what does it do? It brings comfort. Okay? 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 18, it says, Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. That is talking about at the rapture of the church. When you understand the rapture of the church, we comfort one another with these words. Praise God. If you was a believer, you should have comfort in your life. You know what? You see a child, and many times they'll have like a comfort blanket or a comfort toy, and it just brings comfort to them. And you see them, they snuggle up to that. Let me tell you, the scriptures bring us comfort. You see, in a world where Satan is the god of the system that's in this world, God owns the planet. Amen? The cattle on a thousand hills are his, the Bible says. The gold and the silver are his, but the system that's in this world is not of God. That's why there's so much corruption in this world. Because God is not uh, the author of the system. Satan is the god of the system of this world, the Bible says. But in a world where there is turmoil, you need comfort. And thank God you have the comfort of the Scriptures, but you also have the comfort of the Holy Ghost. You have the comforter living on the inside of you. So you should have comfort in your life. You should have peace in your life. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Amen? So the first thing is comfort. So whenever people talk about, you know what, the earth's going to end in 12 years if, unless we start getting rid of all of the plastic straws and try to suck a milkshake through a paper straw. <laughs> I'm not into all of that. Let me tell you, you know, we have, we have plastic straws in our car so that when we pull into McDonald's, you're not trying to suck a milkshake through a paper straw and it going all mushy. We have a lovely big plastic straw, but we dispose of it because we don't go litter in the place. Amen. 
Don't wear deodorant because it'll affect the ozone layer. Let me tell you, I'd rather smell nice than be smelling rotten. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> you come loaded with deodorant. Get you that on you. <laughs> oh, praise the Lord. Amen. The next thing is, as I've already said as well, it keeps you focused on the harvest. When you understand the end times, you stay focused on the harvest. We don't need to be hating people. We need to be loving people. You can see the tensions rising in the world at the minute. We don't need to be a part of that. We don't need to be a part of hating people. You know what, even, you know, all of these things to divide people have, have risen up in the last 10 years, really big time. Racism and all of those kind of things. You know, and there's a lot of people never even thought of racism until the last 10 years because it's been stuffed down our face. But you know what, as believers, we're people who love one another. We're people who love people. Like, I, as I said earlier, I grew up in Northern Ireland. I grew up with hatred all around me. And when you're brought up, you're brought into it a certain degree because you, you're brought into the environment that you're brought up in. But I thank God whenever I made Jesus the Lord and Savior of my life, that love came in. Amen? That I, I, received, I received Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I knew I needed a Savior. I knew I was a sinner in need of a Savior. I knew I was lost without Him because I heard the gospel from a young age. And when I made Jesus the Lord and Savior of my life, it's amazing the difference that Jesus makes in your life. And when you start to walk with Him, you know, we love Him because He first loved us. And then out of that love of Him loving us, do you know what happens? We love others. And there's a lot of people might not treat you right in life, but you have the love of God that's shed abroad in your heart so that you can love people with a love that they do not deserve. That's the difference. We love with a love, giving people the love of God, whether we think they deserve it or not. Let me tell you, all of us have received the love that we did not deserve. Amen? We were all lost. But thank God for Jesus' love, that great love wherewith He loved us, that even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, amen, He came and He died for us. And praise God, it's by grace we're saved. Not, not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. Not of our performance, our work, our ability, amen, so that we could boast. We've nothing to boast in. We don't boast about anything. We praise that you died for me, Lord Jesus, and thank you for dying for me. I didn't deserve it, but you came to reach me, and I receive you. I have a gift I don't deserve. You have a gift you don't deserve. I have a love I don't deserve. You have a love you don't deserve, but we can take that love. We can take that awareness of salvation and tell people about Jesus. Because Jesus wants to give them a gift that they do not deserve, and that is the gift of salvation. Amen? Here's the third thing. And that is, when you understand end times, you end up living a holy life. No, all holiness is a set apart. Holiness means set apart for His purposes. See, when you understand things, you start living a set-apart life because you don't understand where we are. You are aware of things. You understand this is a short window. I want my life to count for you, Lord Jesus. 
I want my hours, my days, my breath. I want them to count for you. But if you don't understand things, you're just living, you know, like driving in the fog. You don't know where you're going. But I tell you, when you understand the Scriptures, you have a clear path. And you understand exactly where you are. And what happens is you start living a holy life. Holiness means set apart for God's use. Doesn't mean you're perfect. None of us are perfect. We have a perfect salvation in our spirit. But none of us are perfect outwardly. That is a, progress a progressive sanctification outwardly. You have perfect sanctification in your spirit because you're born again. But outwardly, it's progressive. And people are growing. So how do you grow? You get the Word of God in you. And you desire the sincere milk of the Word that you may grow thereby. So I tell you, every time you come to church and get the Word in, it starts a fact in your life. And you start seeing change. And you start allowing the Holy Spirit to minister through your life and have the influence in your life. So you have the Word and the Spirit. And what happens is God starts to change your life. Amen. Our part is to come to church. Our part is to open up the Word of God. Our part is to pray. Our part is to apply the Word of God to our lives. God's part is to change us. It's like um, when you go to the shower, you don't clean yourself, okay? The soap and the water clean you. But how many of you know you have to get in the shower? And how many of you know you have to apply the soap and the water to your body? But it's the water that cleans you. And the Bible lets us know that it's the water, it's Jesus who sanctifies us through the water of the Word. And what you do is you just apply the, you just apply the Word to your life. And He then does the sanctification through your life. You can't change yourself. You couldn't save yourself. How on earth are you going to change yourself what changes you is getting the Word of God in you and the Holy Ghost takes that Word and makes it living in you to where the Word changes you. And that's why it's so important to put the Word of God in our lives. Amen? Now, 1 John chapter 3, it says here, chapter 3 and verse 1, it says here, it says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth not, because it knew Him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. Amen? And it says, And it does not appear what we shall be, but we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. So when you live with the awareness that now I am a son of God, Amen? That's for all of us as believers, sons, daughters of God. When you know that one day you're going to see him, amen, and when you see him, you're going to be changed because you're going to have a glorified body and you're going to be like him, okay, and the rapture I'm talking about there, okay? When you understand that, how does that affect your life? The Bible says, and every man that has this hope in him purifies himself, amen, even as he is pure. When you understand that one day you're going to be with Jesus. When you understand there's an event coming where you're going to be raptured, it starts to affect how you live your life. You start saying, God, use my life. You start presenting yourself to Him. You want your life to be different. Like, 
Does any of us have a cup in your house that only you use? Mm-hmm. You know, like in our house, we have, a, we have a, a, like a couple of cups. You know, I know Dana's cups that she uses. She'll have one in the morning. I'll take the blue cup or whatever, with a frozen cup. You know, one of frozen characters. Give me that, that frozen cup because it's a nice shape. Okay, it was Alexa's glass, but it's, it has a lovely shape and a hole to it. So Donna likes that in the morning. And there's a certain cup she likes in the evening. You know what? They're hers, okay? Then I have my cups that I use. Do you know them cups that I use? I don't give them to guests when they come in. Do you know why? They're for my use. They're holy, amen? <laughs> They're set apart for my use, okay? That's what it means to be holy, to where not everybody's drinking out of your life, but your life is set apart for God. That's what it means. So when you understand the end times, what happens is you set your life apart for Him. And there's many scriptures like that, and I'm not going to go any further this morning. But you know what? You start seeing here that there's, you know what? You, you're focused on the call, the call of God. You're focused on the Great Commission. You set your life apart for God. That's what end times should do, not leave Christians living in fear, not people trying to find out who the Antichrist is and wasting their time, because you'll never know who the Antichrist is. He can't come on the scene until the church is raptured. So what do you do with your life as a believer? You present yourself to God for His use. You get serious about the things of God. Amen? You, start, you go to work, and instead of fighting with people over over the, the whole situation over here. Do you know what you do? You, you go in there. Yes, you can talk about things. You don't have to fight with people. You can go in there on a mission to see people saved. You can go in there to be the light of the world. Amen. To be the salt and the light everywhere you go. Let me tell you, people ask me where I stand. I know, I know where I stand on different issues, and I take the stand on what I stand on, but I still do it in a way where I'm not fighting and turn myself away from people to where I'm still being an influence as much as I can because I want to be the light of the world everywhere I go. Amen? Praise God. Everywhere Paul went, he promoted Jesus. Everywhere. He promoted Jesus. If it was on Mars Hill, he promoted Jesus with all of the philosophers. If it was before kings, he promoted Jesus. If he was in a prison, he promoted Jesus. If he was being taken across the sea, he promoted Jesus. Everywhere he went, he promoted Jesus. What are we meant to do with our lives? Promote Jesus everywhere you go. Amen? We do not live to put our names in lights. We live to put his names name and lights. We live for Him. And that's what we should be doing in our generation. Amen.